Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Tool Belt Podcast from Plant Services. I'm Tom Welk, the Chief Editor of Plant Services, and today I'm speaking with Kevin Malici, the Executive VP of Marketing and Technology for Carita America. Carita America is a global leader in water solutions and is one of the world's largest suppliers of water treatment equipment. In this conversation, Kevin and I talk about the relationship between water treatment and building harmony and why the effort to manage and protect water resources at the plant level is taking on a new urgency. We got, I think if you, you know, you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics data by industry, you look at, you know, what percentage of the workforce is in those different age groups by different verticals or industries, it's a scary picture because there's so many people that are, you know, going to be retiring. And, um, it's a huge, it's a huge deal. The more customers I've talked to over the last couple of years about that topic, it's on everybody's radar. So the fact that you're so attuned to that with your customers, I couldn't agree more. Hmm. You know, how do we, how do we make a operator instead of having them, you know, get three, five, ten years of experience under their belts and managing some of the water related systems? Uh, to be that really, uh, you know, well-seasoned, highly respected uh, uh, operator, how do we get the, when he or she retires, uh, how do we get the, their replacement to be perhaps not instantaneously as effective, but certainly we close the time gap because we don't have, assuming we find the person, we don't have three, five, ten years to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's a great aspect of our business is uh, helping to close and shift the paradigm of that learning curve mm-hmm. so that we can make people much more knowledgeable and able to act upon their own sooner uh, through the kinds of products and services that we're involved with. That kind of keys into the first question we had on our list, which was what kinds of uh, contact uh, – does Carita America have with um, customers like the plant services audience? Um, is it a is it an advisory capacity? Is uh, where where you introduce new technologies to these teams? Is it the kind of thing where Carita America can can, I, can work with them to uh, find out how to integrate the various uh, silo data sets, for example, that are on their plant and, and help them drive reliability higher? Yeah, well, I think I think we match up very well with your uh, customer profile. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the plant level, uh, you know, our main uh, and we have a very robust um, approach to the uh, relationships and the contacts that we build at the plant level. Mm-hmm. So it ranges everything from, as you might suspect, plant management, um, the plant manager, senior most operational roles. Uh, operations management, uh, environmental health and safety, uh, sustainability functions. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, operations. Um, so probably uh, maintenance services. Um, so probably the typical ones that you're accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, uh, to complement that, um, we do the same kind of thing at the corporate level where we're talking to a, a you know, a corporation that has multiple plants in their fleet. Mm-hmm. Those same kinds of functions, uh, replicated at the 
headquarters level, if you will, and we try and manage the uh, the uh, our uh, benefits that we provide in an interaction between uh, both those groups. The interesting thing that's happening there is, uh, you know, with all the issues in the world regarding, well, first of all, at the high level, we have a regulatory environment that is definitely getting tougher. Uh, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk in the political environment that, you know, we're, we're, you know, eliminating all these uh, regulations and that sort of thing. I don't really see that happening in practice in the water space. Mm. If anything, I see it going the opposite direction mm-hmm. because a lot of times it's also heavily influenced at the state level, right? So we have an increasing regulatory challenges in the acquisition, use, and discharge of water, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't getting any easier. And we can talk about some specific examples of that. Uh, we have um, the whole sustainability issue and problems with water scarcity all over uh, North America and the world. You know, you can to that your, uh, as you lead the landscape, I'm sure, over the last decade or so. Water is not uh, going to be the don't think about it, it's a given kind of resource that it once was. Uh, it's now, a, uh, it's going, it is in certain parts of the world and in this country and the world, a precious commodity, mm-hmm. uh, and the availability, the cost of acquiring it, and the quality of it are really shifting. So the reason I raise those issues is that as we talk with those uh, uh, functional managers that we're discussing, uh, the whole attitude, attention to, uh in, uh, inquisitiveness about the technical curiosity of our customers and prospective customers is a pretty steep upward swinging curve. I mean, it was always strong from a kind of a uh, operational point of view and, you know, protecting, ensuring asset integrity over time and, uh, and uh, heat exchange efficiency, for example. But now it's got a whole new twist. And that mm. twist is, um, it's 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 getting the attention uh, it deserves because of all the drivers that are out there. We just happen to talk about two of them. Hmm. You know, it's it's really interesting. You mentioned the issue of water quality and freshwater availability. Uh, I don't mention this very often because I think people would find it strange, but I waited to start a family until I resettled back here in Chicago where we are next to Lake Michigan. And that issue of water is not going to be the same issue as it is elsewhere in this country. It mattered a great deal to me to give those kids a head start in a place where that was one less concern. And I do believe that concern is going to grow over the next 30, 40, 50 years. Oh, no doubt about it. And that, that kind of thinking, not just in society in general, mm-hmm. uh, on a human basis, but it, it translates to, you know, for businesses like ours, we're very focused on uh, corporate social responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whole issue uh, really plays into our equation. You, you know, you've heard a lot about purposeful branding. Mm-hmm. You know, that people... And not only in their personal lives, but increasingly in, B, in the B2B environment, mm-hmm. buy from companies because of what their 
what they do and what their philosophy is towards mm-hmm. toward certain societal issues, right? Mm-hmm. So 30-some years ago, the leadership of uh, Korea Water Industries in Japan formulated the following uh, company philosophy. You, you may have seen it in some of the background materials John shared with you. Mm-hmm. And that philosophy is a really simple sentence. It says we're going to, it says study the properties of water, master them, and we will create an environment in which man and nature are in harmony. So I've been in this business a long time, and I saw those words for the first time about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it really inspired me. I mean, that is our mission. And uh, we're finding that in those discussions with our customers or prospective customers, there's an increasing uh, sensitivity to, respect for, and I mentioned before the word curiosity, about how does that translate to my plant or my company or my unit operation? Mm-hmm. Um you know, whether it's wastewater, generating steam, what have you. So, no, I agree. That's that's very inspiring. It reminds me of a plant that's here in Chicago that I worked at for a while. It was an OEM that took great pride in number one developing a headquarters building that achieved LEED Silver certification, and also they took various uh, manufacturing facilities of theirs and drove them down first to zero hazardous waste and then to zero waste. Um, and water was yeah. water was a big part of that story. Uh, yeah, that was my next question. Was when, yeah. when, you, when you do come into contact with these plants, uh, I this is an aspect of of plant daily plant life that we should explore more. Uh, do you see the maintenance and reliability teams working on these missions to improve sustainability uh, and, and 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 go towards these sort of zero waste facilities? Yeah. yeah, no, no doubt about it, uh, and not just maintenance and reliability teams, but there's there's all kinds of functional areas. Again, mm-hmm. the, again, the title sustainability mm-hmm. hasn't been around that long, right? Right. And now you're seeing it not only at the corporate level but at the plant level, mm-hmm. and it's been uh, even labeled uh, assigned to other functions as you go down the, mm-hmm. the organizational chain. And that uh, that sustainability word is there. So yeah, there there's tremendous emphasis on that. Probably still scratching the surface of what it will ultimately be in terms of absolute terms, but from a relative and a trend point of view, mm-hmm. unquestionable. Okay. Well, let me ask the question about digital technologies for energy management and reliability. That seems to be where our conversation is going. Um, where on the spectrum would you say that the utilities that you work with, the, the water, wastewater treatment utilities, are, where are they positioned? Are, are the utilities early adopters, fast followers, or, or somewhere in between? You know, I, I, I think it's uh, my answer would be uh, those are the two bookends, mm-hmm. um, and there is a, the, whole, the whole spectrum in between. Okay. So I don't think it would be fair or accurate to say that the utilities, you know, in aggregate are, are on either one of those, uh, ends of the spectrum. Okay. And it's a blend. It's driven by the company, driven by their leadership, driven by, uh, the, the nature of what they do. So for example, if they're already in, uh, an IoT space themselves, mm-hmm. the likelihood that they're going to have a, uh, IoT and a digital orientation, in my experience, 
world today that, you know, it's really tough to deny that digitization and doing things uh, digitally, uh, measurement and analytics and cloud-based activities and wireless communications, and it all boils down to getting the right information into the hands of the right people in a form they want it, when they want it, and that they can act upon. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's, a, that's a lot of words there. There's four or five elements to that. But, I mean, it really, it, it, it's not a replacement for people. To me, it's a, it, digitization is a fantastic opportunity to enable the, the untapped greatness that all these professionals that operate uh, plants have and per- sometimes they're not they don't have the bandwidth to focus on it mm-hmm. um, because they're doing other more conventional things so it, uh, I was I always think of it as uh, it's a, a, that digitization and IOT are not a replacement for but the opportunity to liberate the intellect mm-hmm. that people have um, and give them the, the freedom to think at much higher levels uh, to do things because some of the other more routine and tactical things are, are being helped through, uh, through digitization. Well, and you mentioned earlier the issue of increasingly stringent uh, regulations. They will likely not be getting any less stringent regardless of the administration um, in the U.S. These digital technologies we have found give these plant give plant teams peace of mind because once you do get the system in place and the technologies in place, the, the, the data collection and, and storage and compliance is all automated. It, it's one, as you say, it's one less thing uh, to but, think, one less thing to think about. You know, the sensory technology is just evolving at a rapid pace. You know, the world of digital sensing is upon us, uh, you know, which basically means uh, that, uh, you know, there's a lot of information stored in that sensor itself. Mm-hmm. You know, when's the last time it was replaced? Um, is it uh, performing to specification? Is it likely to fail? I mean, there's all kinds of intelligence just, just at the point of measurement. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, a good example of that, of how that comes into practice is, uh, you know, one of the regulations that's definitely uh, increasing in its Emphasis is the discharge uh, of phosphate-containing additives uh, into some receiving body of water. So phosphate-bearing chemistries are kind of the historical, uh, recent history mainstay of uh, corrosion control mm-hmm. and scale control in cooling water systems, right? Well, the problem with phosphate when it gets into the river or the lake, or the ocean, or all three, is that it's a nutrient. It's going to, so it happens somewhere in the upper Midwest. It ultimately finds its way down the Mississippi River uh, to the Gulf of Mexico. It's a nutrient. It uh, is an engine uh, in the, in the uh, creation of unhealthy algal blooms. Um, you heard, you know, toxic algae and that sort of thing. You wind up with a scenario where massive areas of the Gulf of Mexico are dead zones. 
sometimes teases me and says, will you please stop dumping stuff in our river? Yeah. And I'm here in Chicago. Well, there's some truth to that. There, I mean, you know, there truly is. Land yeah. It all drains into uh, the Mississippi Basin, and uh, it's, it's very true. And there's a multiplier effect, as you were pointing out, at the end point, uh, which a lot of the people upstream never see. They, 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 they can afford never to see it. Um, but it's still there, so they have to be aware of it. Out of sight, out of mind. That's why, that's why states like Wisconsin, you know, have been very, very stringent uh, in that, on that issue. And mm-hmm. they're thinking not only of their own water quality, but they have a, uh, an attitude of responsibility and respect for uh, all the downstream impacts. True. Well, I, we're getting close to time. So let me ask you, if I could, Kevin, uh, a closing question about technologies. Um, when it comes to the technologies that uh, firms like Carita are developing to support the mission of the maintenance, reliability, operations sector, what technologies are you excited about in, in possibly including that corrosion technology you were talking about, corrosion de- detection? Yeah, so there's a, uh, there's a, wide, uh, there's a wide gamut that uh, we can answer that question with. Mm-hmm. First of all, let me just step back a little bit and say, when I visited uh, our new parent company uh, in Tokyo for the first time last year, I had a chance to visit the uh, one of the global technology centers. And there are uh, several of them around the world, in Europe and Singapore and Japan. And it was just an amazing sight. I mean, the level of investment in technology innovation you know, a lot of, there's a lot of talk with words like that out there, but I really saw it up close and very personal, the depth and width, and width of that investment, hmm. both on the, from an equipment point of view, water treatment equipment, and from a chemistry point of view. So to answer your question uh, more specifically, mm-hmm. there are technologies in something, you know, an old, uh, traditional topic of steam generation and boiler water, uh, for example. There are technologies that enable us now to replace conventional treatments with uh, multiple treatments with a single treatment uh, that involve, for example, film-forming amine technology. Uh, The investments in automation and control uh, for plant uh, uh, different plant operations, such as wastewater, uh, on sensory technologies and control systems that uh, very effectively and efficiently control the dosing of uh, coagulants, for example, to a wastewater system and do it in such a way that at the end of the day, the propensity for a system to either to overfeed chemical 
waste chemical or underfeed it based upon changing conditions is mitigated. Mm-hmm. We have a commercial offer called Sensing CS that does that. Uh, the uh, friendly, uh, greener uh, cooling water technologies, uh, which we've already talked about. And then uh, another one would be, that just comes to mind, would be uh, the topic of water reclamation. Mm. So, you know, you take systems such as a cooling tower, mm-hmm. and it blows water, bleeds off a certain amount of water uh, continuously to maintain uh, a, a certain chemistry uh, situation that is manageable from a corrosion and scale point of view. Well, that's a lot of water that often goes right to the wastewater plant and winds up getting discharged. Mm-hmm. So what we do is integrate solutions that involve not only chemistry, uh, for example, membrane treatment chemicals, along with um, uh, filtration and membrane equipment like ultrafiltration and reverse osmosis to create these integrated packages or little modules that take cooling tower blowdown and instead of sending it to the sewer, uh, recondition it will, if you will, and it becomes the makeup water back into the cooling system, huh. uh, which reduces a tremendous amount of fresh water consumption, Right. Uh, going back to our water scarcity issue. And at the same time, it mitigates both from a volume and a water quality point of view, uh, discharge challenges. So water reclamation would be another big one. 